I don't know how you could consider video games anything but art. I mean, they are. Uh, it's they're like the most immersive form of art that we have. Um, you know, you can you are in the piece of art. You it would be like going inside of a comic book or inside of a uh, painting or something like that. You you know the the piece of art is interactive and it surrounds you. They told me not to be so arrogant on the intro when I have less subscribers than the map to the video. But funk that, let me be real for a minute. We've been here for years to do what we do because we love it. We interview people from the game community. It doesn't matter if you're new or a new celebrity. Not getting rid of Derek Provost so you can hate me because the thumbs down is seriously stupid currency. Shows are smart, funny, and makes you think. Kills off most of our viewers with just a wink. We're here for you. All loyal supporters, I'm like Bernie Sanders, send me your nickel diamond quarters. We love our guests, except the ones that say no. I make too many intros for the Obsolete Gamer Show. That's right, sit back, relax, it's the Obsolete Gamer Show. I'm happy today to be talking with Box Brown, the author of Tetris, the games you play. The book is going to be coming out on October 11th. And, um, you know, it's really awesome because... All of us have either played or at least heard of Tetris, and you know we should at least know the story because it's really interesting. And to see it come out like in a graphic novel, you know, is is interesting. And I've had people like when I told people about this book, they're like, "Oh, graphic novel? That's that's interesting." Uh, you know, to see it portrayed in this way. But what's interesting is is that you know, for people around you know in our age. It's not as uh, strange as like if you talk to someone older, they'll be like, oh, graphic novel, because, you know, interpreting media differently, you know, like mm -hmm. animation and stuff, it's not considered sure. like strange. But I just want to ask you, what made you want to go with like a graphic novel? Uh, well, that's, you know, my medium. I couldn't really, even if I wanted to write a book, I probably couldn't, <laughs> you know, I, I only know how to tell a story like via comics. Um, the story of Tetris, though, it's so interesting to me because I see, you know, uh, Alexei Pajanov, who created Tetris, was working in communist Russia. Yeah. And so he had no, you know, profit motive or any reason to make this game other than just pure inspiration and just wanting to do it because he, he had this idea and he wanted to, you know get it out there. It was never at any point where he was like, oh, you know, I'm going to, uh, you know, once this gets out, I'll become a big millionaire because that was like not even part of his, anything that he could have even comprehended at the time. It would actually have been illegal for him to do that. Yeah. So, so it, it, the thing that most excited me at first for sure is that he was in a weird way creating uh, a piece of art in a pure in a pure environment for it because you know there was just no profit motive it was just all about you know making the art for the sake of making it you know yeah and i, and I thought that was really interesting because i was looking at some of the other articles and i saw that you talked about that and having that like you said being in the soviet in the soviet union back in the day you know creating something like that 
uh, there's been debates about video games in itself, and I like how in in the book, you know, you go back, you know, all the way back, yeah. talking about, you know, creating about how games came about, and you know how you played games even back in the day. And there's been debates about always oh, games, art, things like that. So I want to get your opinion on that. You know, when you have some people, you know, gamers fight amongst themselves, saying like video games are aren't art. You know, doing research about how, you know people took uh, his work and was trying to pull it this way, pull it that way, getting licensing, things like that, and how he had to fight to get his royalties. What do you think when people say, oh, video games isn't art, when you know people that suffer and struggle so much for video games? I mean, uh, it would be, I don't, I don't know how you could consider video games anything but art. I mean, they are... Uh, it's they're like the most immersive form of art that we have. Um, you know, you can you are in the piece of art. You it would be like going inside of a comic book or inside of a uh, painting or something like that. You you know the the piece of art is interactive and it surrounds you. Um, and I I wanted to I wanted to talk about that in the book because I feel it's really important. I think it's really important that we consider video games an art form. You know, it's like years ago, they never considered movies an art form, you know. Uh, and that's silly. I mean, it's clearly an art form. and It's an immersive art form and a really popular art form. And um, and video games has even surpassed movies at this point. It's a bigger business. It's more popular. Video games are more popular generally than movies. And that's because an, an art you have to think of a definition of art, but entertainment, all these things, like, this is what we live for. This is what people, you know, this is why people work 40 hours a week, so on the weekends or after work, they can experience these things, you know. Uh, and, and uh, you know, I wanted to push that point home, that, that video games are definitely art, and I wanted to make Alexi... Um, not a video game entrepreneur or business person, but an artist, you know. Uh, and, and he, I think, you know, it, it, video game creators and, and people should be treated that way because they are creative people. They're making art. It, and, you know, it's, they're such big things. It's such a large collaboration to make these big games now. But there's also people... Uh, and it's a creative endeavor, and uh, it's awesome, you know. <laughs> now, f with your first book, um, you know, with, uh, that was also uh, Andre the the Giant Life, that was on the n uh, New York bestsellers list, uh, New York Times bestseller list for three, three weeks. That congratulations on that. Obviously, you have experience, but I was reading how you said that. You know, you want to make sure that you could get the characterization down. You know, you want to make mm. the characters, and that's what you were talking about, about getting the characters through. But yeah. with so much uh, in the story that, you know, the history and all the research that you did, can you tell us a little bit about the challenges about getting all that information out, but also keeping to the characters in this book? So, yeah, super different than the Andre book because in the Andre book it was just you have a clear protagonist and main focus character uh, in this book it's really like an, an ensemble cast there's 
so many different players and people involved in the negotiations of the creation of Tetris. Uh, so one of the first thing I did when I started uh, doing research on the book was I made this big family tree kind of of all the different parties involved and how they were connected to each other. And it's like 18 different people uh, and, and, and uh, entities that were all tr competing for this for this game and we're all involved in it somehow and it was really you know uh it's much di more difficult to to create full characterization of each character so there's a lot of bit players and things like that but not only alexi uh is the a main character but also um hank rogers who is the uh, one who was doing the negotiations for Nintendo and ended up getting the, the rights for Nintendo and became a really good friend of Alexi's. And he plays a pivotal role, I feel, if you consider video game, video game creators as an artist, because artists need somebody behind them a lot of times because, you know, uh, it's hard to be both a businessman and an artist like you people aren't thinking that way, you know, so a lot of times artists will hook up with uh, uh, an art gallerist who worries about making money for them, or a patron of the arts, or a lot of times people get government, in, in Europe especially, people get government grants that government cares about whether the Rogers was a creative guy, but also this really great businessman, and he is the patron of the arts. He would be like the gallerist that is uh, exposed, taking uh, the artist's work and exposing it to the greater society and, and making the money for him. So uh, he was a big, uh, an important character in the book too. And I, I think of them both, at, you know, um, you know, if Alexi is the protagonist, then Hank is, you know, his um, second, the second protagonist, you know. So was there like um I mean with so many different characters so many stories like I I remember I had the Tengen Tetris and yeah. I didn't I didn't even realize the story of the, at the time you know I'm just a kid I'm just playing it and I remember going back when you know like wiki and reading it and I was like oh man I didn't know about the battle I didn't know that yeah. you know one party went to uh Parzhenov and then the other party had to go to the Soviet government and then and then a whole bunch of carts got destroyed and yeah. you know was there like when you were doing your research was there just one particular story or one particular character that when you did your research you were just like wow that's just awesome there's a lot of um it was like filled with stuff like that right so but um one of the things one of the the people in the book is uh gunpei yokoi who was a worked in in for nintendo but not as a not in a creative capacity he was uh he worked in one of their warehouses or something and one day, like, the president of Nintendo was walking through the warehouse, and Gunpei Yokoi had, like, in his own time, invented a, a little, like, contraption to help him reach stuff on higher shelves. It was like, like, the... Uh, it's like that, but it, he, he goes like this, and it reaches these long things. So the president of Nintendo saw this and made him a creative... put him in a creative field. And he started making toys for them, and he they made 
that thing into like a toy for kids. And he he invented all these great things. For instance, the zapper, like light gun technology, he invented that. Uh, all these other little toys and things. But also, he invented the Game Boy, which was amazing. Like he was this, he was, uh, you know, they saw something in him despite him not being in the creative field. He just, they just thought he had something and he did. He had these ideas for inventions, and he was a—he uh, was the guy who came up with the concept of the the first portable game, the Game and Watch. Um, you know, uh, because he saw some guy just like screwing around with a calculator on a on a tr- crowded train, and he was like, "Well, what if I could actually make a game out of that?" And they did, and they—you know—he also invented the uh, plus sign uh, control pad. Ah. For the for the Game and Watch, which is still used today, and was used in the Nintendo and on every game system, basically. Right. So, you know, he had like, you know, you think of this as like a really technical uh, situation, but he had all these practical ideas that, you know, were a big deal. They ended up becoming big things. So, as far as stylings. Um you know, a lot of people like I. I love comic books. Uh, you can see on my why. Yeah, my yeah. Head. So I love looking at the different stylings, and you know, people have like different artists that they love. Like for for instance, I l- love like Spider-Man. So I love watching like McFarlane when he did Spider-Man Run. Uh, for like sure. your art style, was there like uh, ins- inspirations that you drew on? Was there like an art style that you liked a lot? Sure. Uh, you know, I. I when I was getting started in comics, I was definitely influenced by Chris Ware's work. And James Kachalka, who does a comic, he did a comic called American Elf for a really long time, and now he, he has a book called Super Eppers now. Uh, and I was really influenced by him because uh, when I got started, I was, I got started kind of late making comics. I was like in my t- mid 20s. And, uh, and so I was, and I was untrained, but I was, I, I could do something, you know, and I think that James uh, Kachalka and a lot of these cartoonists have a, a style that's simple, but tells the story, and but is also interesting, even though it's simple. You know what I mean? So I think that's really where it, where my style developed. Was there like um, any area in your research that was just really hard to find information? Like, was there like a, a certain character or something that you were searching for that was difficult to find? A challenge? I was never able to speak with Alexi during the creation of the book, so I would have loved to talk to him and get a little bit more of a feel for what he was like, you know? Um, uh, so stuff like that was difficult. Um, ha- ha- getting uh, actual uh, outreach to them. Um, the, the research process is difficult. I mean, like, you know, you find information about something, and you have to go and double-check on things and, and go back and make sure that's actually correct and all these things like that. And But it's weird because the research, even though it's a lot of work, it doesn't really feel like work to me because right. you're, like, teaching yourself and you're just kind of, it's like, you know, you fall, it's like, you know, when you fall into a Wikipedia uh, hole and you're just reading all these Wikipedia pages, it's like that, you know, you're you're just learning. And, 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 um, all these 
my books are always kind of like uh, I'm teaching myself the information while I'm, you know, making the book and, and teaching it to other people. Now, I know that a lot of times, um, you know, when you're putting something together, like unless you're just writing like a straight biography and you're, you're you know, taking dictation or something like that, like you talked about how, you know, you had to put a piece of yourself, you know, you're putting your own uh, – you know, you're putting a little bit of yourself into something because you're you're trying to craft that character. Can you like explain that to people? Because you know, someone will read and they'll say, "Oh, this looks a little different than when I saw a documentary." Can you explain sure. that process of how you know you have to put yourself when you're creating these characters so that that can translate to someone when they're reading the graphic novel? Yeah, I mean, it's something I think I do with every any character that I write about. Um, uh, you put yourself like in their shoes and you try to think how they're thinking and you know because you don't know exactly what they were thinking and and but you, you only know their actions and what what happened and what they did and sometimes they talk about what they were thinking but not always and I kind of just you know it was easy to do I feel like with Alexi because I feel like you know I, I'm and with Andre the Giant too it was like I have these similar characteristics. I, I, I'm not a huge giant or anything, but I felt like an outsider before. You know, I felt like somebody who was different and unable to connect with the rest of society. And with Alexi too, I've, I've made art that um, you know I've been in that position where I've been making art for personal, you know, just for personal gain. And I feel like. I try to be like that with everything that I do uh, and not think about it as like a business or anything like that. So I, I identify a lot with Alexi. He has like a pure creativity and he, he got into it late in life too. Like he was always like a scientist and did games on the side. And then eventually he was able to do them full time and all the time and practices art in that way. And I, I tried to do that myself, you know. So was that the most uh, fun character crafting? Uh, in the book, in the textbook, yeah, probably. I mean, he's the main character to me. He was the hero of the book. So, as far as Tetris itself, the game, like, uh, did you play Tetris a lot? Like, was there a favorite Tetris version, like the Game Boy, Nintendo? Computer? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I I played it like I definitely put my ten thousand hours in playing Tetris between between uh, you know nineteen ninety and two thousand probably. Uh, I really like the Game Boy version. Uh, I, I played it so much. Like when I was working, I used to work at like a card store when I was like fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, and uh, it was like so slow and boring. And we had a Game Boy, and we only played it. I loved it so much, and it was so funny because like. The best part of Tetris to me is when it starts to get difficult, when it starts to get, you know, a little bit harder. So, like, I would always play, I would play the regular mode, but I would just, like, put, close my eyes and drop the pieces for, like, a few seconds in the beginning. So I have, like, a big stack of stuff to work out. And by the time you work that out, it starts to get fast and, and challenging again. So, like, that's how I would play that. And then I also liked in the Game Boy version that they had... Uh, Beat the B game that was just like starts oh, yeah. out 
really fast, and you could set it up with difficulty, and then they would shoot the rocket up if you if you did it. That was like a really fun game to me. Yeah, I like how in one of the article pieces that you talked about, I believe you said your uh, wife's uh, mother was played it in the bathroom. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, <laughs> she'd be like, "Mom, get what are you doing in there? Nothing." <laughs> I think that that was like that, and just Game Boy games in general was the, the probably the most games played in a bathroom ever. Oh my god, definitely. Like that's where it just like lived in the bathroom. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing in there? Playing Tetris, right? No, really, I am. And you just stick the Tetris out the door, man. Look, I'm playing. It was definitely something that where you had to like. We bought one for my my nana because she kept playing, like taking ours and playing it. And, like, it was really, like, I'd have to fight with my dad and be like, Dad, come on, you've been playing it for an hour now. Help me out here, you know? It's my toy, you know what I mean? <laughs> but it was that was the cool thing about Tetris is that it, 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 it you know, men, boys, girls, at the, time, at the time, video games were really just for boys, in a way. And this was a game that spans everybody all age groups all but you know every everybody was able to get into it because there was no there wasn't even like a story that would be like alienating to to somebody it's just this pure game of skill yeah and i think that the fact that so many different people doesn't matter like you said gender age race doesn't matter all these people were playing tetris you saw it on so many platforms it was yeah. incredible how it crossed over it's still, like, on every platform. Like, anything, any time they upgrade, whatever, computers, whatever, you can always get Tetris and play it on any computer that you have, any kind of, like, device. Even, like, you know, I remember when I was in high school, everybody had these graphing calculators. Everybody had Tetris on it. It's, like, supposed to be just for scientific stuff, but you could get, like, a Tetris game for it. You know what I mean? Like, it was just a game that is everywhere. It's, like, ubiquitous. So, okay, so now to, to I, I try to help out, you know, the people who are trying to come up next. So there's always people that, you know, graphic artists, writers, people that, you know, want to make it. So, I mean, you already have uh, a book that was on the New York Times bestsellers list. If people are asking, hey, you know, I, I write, you know, I draw, I do illustrations, you know, can can you give me some advice? You know, what what can I do? How how can I do what you've done? You know, what would you tell someone who's you know trying to follow in your footsteps? I always tell people I I got really good advice when I was getting started out, which was to give yourself a decade. Don't you know what I mean? Like, you don't have to do it all at once. It's a lifelong pursuit, and working every day and finding some. This to me was something that. I wish that I, I developed earlier in life because it's so rewarding to have a daily practice. You look forward to doing something and you can watch your progress as it happens. You know, you get better. The more you do things, the better you get at it. You know, it's like really the only way to get to, to, to do anything is to do it and sit down and do it. And it's not going to be great when you first get started. And you know what? It never feels great. <laughs> so you know what I mean. Every t every piece that you put down, you you have doubts about and stuff like that. Like that never goes away. But the key thing is to just you have to have a little bit of a lot of patience and confidence enough in yourself that eventually you're going to be doing really good work. If you're not doing it right now, maybe you know 
I think also when you get started, it, it, it kind of helps to have a little bit of naivete and kind of be like, think that you're better than you are because you know deep down inside that you will be good and it, it, you have the, the great work inside of you. It just takes years and years and years of hard work to release it. But the good thing about it, even though it takes a long time, the good thing about it is that you don't need, there's no such, well, there may be, maybe there isn't, but I'm not sure there's any such thing as like a natural talent or skill. It's more about finding something that you're interested in and passionate about and doing it every day. Awesome. I mean, and yeah, and like you said, if you if you just keep trying and, and you don't necessarily think that the first try has to lead to riches or anything, yeah. you have to it care about won't. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and like you said, it's about the art. I mean, yeah. just like, just like with Alexi. I mean, he made it because he cared about it, and he had the fight. And you know, eventually, he was able to get you know the royalties, get the the success. But I mean, originally, he did it for the art. And I mean, if you sure. care about it, hopefully, you'll get you know everything else. But at least if you did it for the love for the art, then you got something out of it. Yeah, and if you've done it, if you've been, even if you just. Just doing it, it, the experience of doing it is worthwhile. You know, you're get you're learning no matter what, and it's, and hopefully it's fun, right? I mean, like that's why you should be having fun while you're doing it. I think. Exactly. All right, the book is Tetris: The Games People Play. It's going to be released on October 11th by First Second Books, uh, and it's by Box Brown. Thanks for coming on and talk with us today. Thank you. Thanks for having me.